Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. HomeThreads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets, to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. I hope you all are doing well. I cannot begin to describe the week I had last week. There was so much going on, both stressful and exciting. Um, It got to be so much last Friday. I just decided to take the rest of the day off, take the kids to the San Diego Zoo Safari Park, just to decompress for all of us. My oldest son was having some real troubles. I'll talk about that at another time. Um, But we just needed to have some fun. And I actually didn't know that you can get right up next to the wallabies and the kangaroos there. It was really, really fun, really cute. We actually got to pet the kangaroo, or pet the wallabies, not the kangaroos. We saw them, but we didn't go up next to them. Um, But I think they can come right up to you. There's no fence or anything. You're actually in the enclosure with them. But unfortunately, the lemur exhibit was closed um, because of COVID. But you can get right into an enclosure with the lemurs. And I really wanted to see them. They are so cute. But the wallabies and the kangaroos were really cool. So we also got to see a lioness up really close. It was through glass, but she was magnificent. Her paws are the size of my head. I posted a few pics and a video and some videos on my Instagram page, IronMom2020. Also, we did hit 500 subscribers on the Your Village YouTube channel. So I am going to take some time this weekend 
Oh my gosh, I'm away at a swim meet with my son back at our old town where we moved from actually. Okay. I will try to get the class up next this weekend. If I don't, I'll get it up next week. Free class on the Your Village uh, YouTube channel since we hit 500. Also, I'm still editing away on the next two chapters of the book, so that will make us halfway done with the writing of the book. Ashley is continuing to work on the design aspect. I'm really excited to get this out for you all. I think you will find it an immensely valuable go-to resource for parenting toddlers. So all the great tips from the classes and the podcasts on specific areas of parenting toddlers, like potty training, tantrums, aggression, Get healthy eating bedtimes and nighttimes, another big one we get lots of questions on. I will post updates to our Facebook and Instagram accounts once we get some sample pages completed. So you can follow us at either of those places, Iron Mom 2020 or the Your Village Facebook page. Okay, so our question today is about a young toddler who is too aggressive with the family dog. Now, whether you have a pet or not, you will likely find a lot of information helpful as I'm gonna build some understanding of not just kids and pets, but or toddlers and pets, but also, and how to work with the interactions, not just with the pets, but of toddlers with parents, with siblings, with their toys. And I'm gonna break down the mindset of the toddler, why they do some of these things that they do, because there are definite reasons that they do some of these things, they are getting specific benefits from them. And once you understand what payoff they're getting from their behavior, it helps you to step in and work to stop it. It makes it much easier. So you, I'm going to talk about how they view their world and then why they have these interactions so you can help manage the interactions. Again, not just with your pets, but with their world in general, with you, with their toys, with siblings, and within your household. Even things like with them running away in a parking lot. It may be helpful with that too because you'll understand why. So you'll understand some of the reasonings behind their behavior, what their actual thought processes are. So that is very helpful and important. Okay, so first the question. Hi, Erin. My name is Sammy. I'm from England in the UK and have been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now. I love your tips and try my best to be a therapeutic parent to my 20-month-old adopted son, but struggle with the power battle some days, especially as lockdown has been so isolating. We have a little dog who is very sweet and loving, who absolutely loves our son, but over time has become fearful of him because he continues to try and frighten him either by throwing toys at him, growling or shouting at him, chasing him or hitting him if he tries to pass quickly by. Our dog is completely non-reactive and at worst will yelp in fright or at best take himself off into another room with his tail between his legs. The hitting and throwing of toys does not happen often, mainly because I don't leave them alone together at any point. So I'm always on alert to prevent that happening either by distraction or calling the dog into another room. So this is less of an issue. The biggest trigger for me is when my son growls or shouts at the dog, as the dog is so sensitive to being told off, even by a toddler, that he runs away and hides. I have tried a number of different methods over time, including ignoring him doing it, explaining firmly that it is not acceptable because it frightens the dog and that it makes him sad, and I've even tried the method you described about hitting in one of your episodes by stating it's not kind to shout and frighten the dog, and the dog and I don't wish to keep playing with you when you're being unkind and promptly leave the room for two minutes with the dog. My son then cries for a bit, and when I return, he says he's sorry to the dog, and we carry on playing. This method seemed to work for about a week, but he has gone back to doing it again. I have always gotten my son involved in the care of the dog from very small, including helping me get his food ready, giving him treats, doing tricks. 
I'm at my wit's end as I feel so sorry for my dog. He is always so happy to see him, but stays a meter away from him in case he gets shouted at, and will spend a lot of the day upstairs away from my son to avoid him. I'm certain I have given my son some ammo to continue doing this, as it is clear it has gotten to me, and I have lost my patience and got cross with him in the past when he's done this, and I've had compassion fatigue, especially when he is mid or post tantrum, or if I'm trying to do housework and can't give my full attention. He knows that it is my biggest trigger and will get a reaction. If you have any tips, I would sincerely appreciate it. Thank you for your podcast. I know it's helping so many people across the world be better parents. Sammy. That's a really nice email from Sammy. So this is a great question. So we're going to dig into some different pieces of this. First, I'm going to try to keep this as concise as I can, but I'm going to talk about my experience as a pet owner and then also my experience as a pet owner and a parent because these are two different pieces. Now, obviously, um, my expertise is in child development. I am not an expert in animal behavior and animal training, although I have been through it a lot with several pets. So I'm gonna talk about that just so you, everyone understands my background, my foundation, and I'm. there's probably some people out there listening who are probably really amazing pet behaviorists or pet owners who have a lot of experience with this. Um, and so, you know, feel free to write in and give, give us some tips if you have some additional ones, but I'm just going to give this from my perspective as a pet owner, as someone who's had many dogs and done a lot of training with my own family pets, and I've learned a lot from some great trainers we've had. Um, and then once I get that foundation, um, share that foundation, then I'm going to get into toddler behavior and why he's doing some of these things, what's happening, things you can do to circumvent it. And again, it can go for almost any um, scenario like this where you have behavior that you really don't like and is not welcoming. Because you'll see this between kids as well. So if you have siblings, you'll see one toddler, um, you know, bugging the infant or bugging the other toddler or bugging the older child. And the older child isn't old enough to have enough um, mental capacity or cognitive capacity or emotional capacity to not react. And so it will increase the behavior. And so um, when you have another being in the house that doesn't understand that this is what's happening, it can make it a little more difficult. So I'm going to dig into some toddler behavior and some ways to work with that and just have a deeper understanding of it just to begin with and then make it easier to work with that. Okay, so I'm going to talk about my dog experience here. So if this is just not something you're interested in and it doesn't really matter to you, feel free to skip through some of this. Okay, so a lot of us have pets and most of us who love kids and wanted to be parents are, were also big animal lovers as well. Most of us had pets before we had kids and so when kids enter our family, we already have our four-legged family members. This means making sure that the two worlds of pet ownership and parenthood combine as smoothly as we can. When we don't always get to pick our pets before we have our kids or wait till our kids are old enough to be more responsible and more caring to pets, it means we've just got to try to combine these two worlds as best we can. So it's not always smooth sailing, depending on the age and type of your pet, and then mixing in your babies, toddlers, once they're mobile, adds some interesting things to the mix. So um, again, I'm not a pet behaviorist or expert. Um, my expertise is in child development, but I've had a lot of dogs. Most of them I have taken to some form of obedience training or another. So I'm gonna share my experience as a pet owner and a parent and our mix and how this has worked in our house. Okay, so I had my first dog. It was a collie named Dakota I got when I was 26 years old and he was my very first puppy. 
I had gotten on my own. When I got married, Dakota was 10 years old. Shortly after we got married, like the week we got married, we adopted another collie, a smooth collie. She was nine months old. We called her Chloe. When we had Carter, Dakota was 13 years old. Chloe was three. Dakota passed away when Carter was about two months old. We were not going to get another dog. But Chloe was very sad and lonely and she kept howling. And so off we went to animal control to find a dog. We found a cute little boxer sitting quietly in her pen. She didn't even get up to greet us. Um, she had Bordetella, we found out, which must have been awful, which is just that kennel cough. So you could also tell she had just had a litter of puppies. So whoever had her before was likely just using her for breeding. So they got a litter of dogs out of her and then they gave her up. We took her home, we named her Lexi. Soon she had tons of energy. So as soon as she um, had healed up from the Bordetella, perked up, she was a happy dog, a great family member. Um, she was about a year and a half old. So these were the first pets our kids ever knew. They grew up around these two dogs, bigger, bigger breed dogs. Now Lexi was a small boxer, she was about 45 pounds. Both Dakota, my, my first dog, and Chloe had training. Lexi did not have any training. She was a really good-natured dog. We were so busy with parenthood. Um, we had had Carter, who was an infant. Um, we soon, you know, when he was a year old, got pregnant with the twins. So she didn't have any official training, but we were also experienced dog owners, so we were able to teach her almost anything we needed to know. Also, as an aside, my ex-husband worked at Universal Studios at the theme park, and one of the attractions there is the animal show. And so, and he loves animals. And so often enough throughout his work time there, he would go to the animal show and he'd watch the breeders work with the animals there. And he learned a lot from the animal trainers there on how to work with animals of all kinds. And so he actually knew quite a bit as well. So now, to be honest, I don't remember having any issues between the dogs and the kids, but we had three toddlers at once and two dogs, and we were living in, are living in Southern California. And I, the dogs spent a lot of time during the day outside. It was warm. Um, they didn't, I didn't have to worry about the toddlers crawling all over them. They had each other and they could run around and play. And I didn't have to worry about the dogs running over the toddlers or the toddlers crawling all over the dogs. So they stayed pretty separate. We had them in and during the evenings once Corey was home and I had some help managing everything. And then they always stayed inside at night. We had beds for them that they would stay in our room at night. But I don't know that I could have handled two dogs and three kids. Um, taking food from the kids, the toddlers getting too rough or you know, rolling on top of them. So they pretty much just stayed separate for those early years. Now, they were super great dogs with the kids. They were, I mean, these are great breeds for kids. So my kids had each other, my dogs had each other, so we really just didn't co-mingle. So now we're gonna fast forward eight years and Lexi passes away. And Chloe was getting very old. And I know we talked about when Lexi passed away and dealing with death and, and, you know, we had to deal with that with the kids and help them through that. Chloe was getting very old and I didn't want the kids to be left with no dogs. So this is when we rescued Bambi and she was a 10 week old Rottweiler, which you, a lot of you have heard about when we brought her into our family. Um, now we were told Rottweilers are for experienced owners and we considered ourselves experienced owners by this point. The kids were nine, nine and almost 11. Um, Bambi is definitely a different kind of dog. Definitely, she requires a much more alpha approach to let her know when she or where she is in the pack. Um, we had some issues early on with her, with my daughter, nipping at my daughter and um, just definitely too aggressive. Um, 
definitely, you know, getting some skin when she was uh, chasing after her. And then we've had a little bit of trouble from time to time with her getting too rough with Chandler as well. So at first it was Taylor early on. Now it's Chandler. It was really about teaching the kids how to let her know that they are above her in the chain of command in the pack and how to do that. Now, Taylor went to training with me. Um, I took, we took her with me um, because when they react hurt or upset, she feels she can boss them around. Like that's what she's going to do. She's going to nip at them. She's going to make them go where she wants to go, do what she wants to do. So we did bring a trainer in early, early on, brought the trainer to the home. Um, and actually the trainer was trained by Cesar Milan, uh, both of whom this trainer that we brought in and Cesar Milan uh, lived about 20 minutes from where we just moved away from. And he really helped us work with Bambi. He works with the Rottweilers and the pit bulls type of breeds. This is what, what he specialized in. So he really helped us work with Bambi and help us work with Taylor to work with Bambi. So again, in just a minute, I'm going to get in the mindset of the toddler, I promise. But Bambi has become a very well-behaved dog. I've now been working with Chandler on how to work with her, to turn around and be commanding with her so that she's not jumping on him and nipping at him. And that has gotten much, much better as well. And so she is a great dog. I can take her into stores. She will walk in. She will lay down beside me. She will sit while I'm standing in line to get stuff. She's an excellent, excellently behaved dog. She's also my running and my hiking buddy, so I make sure I get her energy out um, at least three to four times a week. She's friendly with other dogs. She loves to play with other dogs. She's very respectful, and she's around our kids and our kids' friends, and I never have to worry about her. So she's very protective of our property, um, and she's very protective of the family, I'm sure, should anyone ever try to hurt them. So she's really just exactly what we need, a great family dog, but also a great guard dog. And she's really an amazing ambassador for her breed. Okay, so that's our experience with dogs. So I know enough about dog behaviors and pack behavior and that type of thing to be able to share some level of understanding of this. Okay, that was a little bit of a background on our dog ownership along with the ages of our kids throughout having dogs in their home, in their lives. Um, so as soon as I get back from the break, I am going to dig into the mindset, perspective, development level of the toddler, their behaviors, why they'll do certain things in certain ways, and how we can circumvent this, how we can help them interact more positively with the other beings in their world, their siblings, parents, pets, toys, everything, so that you can have the best opportunity for harmony in your home. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. 
air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories, including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Now that we're back after the break, let's get into the mindset development of the toddler when it comes to understanding their world and how they interact with it. Then I'll dig into more of the balancing being a parent with of the dogs and the kids to help them both feel safe. Okay, so for Sammy or any parents of young toddlers, whether it's interacting with a dog or not, it's really helpful to understand what's going on in a toddler's mind. What is going on in there? This can equate to how they interact in a lot of different scenarios. So toddlers do not understand the other. Now, when I say toddler, I'm talking about three or under. They do not understand feelings, needs, ideas of another, be it a person or an animal. This understanding of the other as someone who has separate feelings or needs than their own does not begin to develop until around the age of three and for some closer to three and a half. For most toddlers, they don't have a perspective nor an understanding that others have a different feeling that someone else might feel differently than they do or might need something differently than they do. So if you've ever watched two toddlers interact, like really young toddlers, year and a half, two, two and a half, they actually really don't tend to notice each other very much most of the time. If one toddler, especially you see like these year and a half, two year olds, they're holding a toy, you will often see the other toddler notice the toy 
in the other toddler's hand, but there's really no acknowledgement. And that's because there's really no understanding. There's just like, they just don't see it. Um, that there's another person attached to the end of that toy, but the toy's moving and it can certainly catch their attention. They're usually bright, they usually make noise because they're made to excite the toddler and entice the toddler. So the younger they are, the more likely they are to focus on the toy and be completely clueless about the other human on the other end of the toy. So for under two, like, forget about it. Look at that colorful toy. Oh, it's moving, it's making noises. I want that colorful toy, so interesting, grab. The other toddler starts crying, sometimes. And sometimes the other toddler will just toddle off and find something else to play with. They're like, oh, okay, that's gone, and they go on to the next thing. You can have you know any type of reaction with that. But we may be thinking like, how rude, how can that kid just grab the toy right out of the other kid's hand like that? They don't even care, they don't even notice, and then the kid starts crying and they don't even seem to acknowledge it. They just don't have a perspective. They're not trying to be mean or selfish or any such thing. They're just simply oblivious. This is a developmental stage that just haven't hit yet. So when it comes to these types of interactions, they have no idea they're upsetting another child, that they're causing fear in a dog. They just can't grasp the concept yet. Now, when parents step in, they see our, our stern face or they hear our tone, they can read facial cues. And obviously as the parent, you're, uh, there's an attachment. And so they will look at the parent, they will look to the parent. And that is when it matters because the attachment figure is something that is important to them. And so they do pick up those cues from us, but rarely will they pick it up through another child, especially at that age. So this is where our reaction becomes important. And this is where we do actually have the ability to shape their behavior and help them learn is through showing our reaction to their behavior. But just to remember that this is a learning thing. It's not that they're just, you have the rude kid who just grabbed a toy or the rude kid or the mean kid who's just trying to frighten the dog or the mean kid who's going over and pinching little brother because they get a reaction, baby yells like, oh, that's interesting. So and the other piece of this is that young kids are scientists. Toddlers specifically are exploring a lot of cause and effect. And you'll see kids do this throughout early childhood, but this is all so new to toddlers, it's cause and effect. When they do something that gives a good reaction or effect, so if it's a ball that rolls or it's a toy that squeaks, that's an effect to their behavior. But to them, a ball that squeaks is no different than the baby that yells when they pinch it or the dog that yelps or runs away when they yell. They're getting a reaction to their world and it's it's very affirming to this behavior. So cause and effect, they get a big effect, they're gonna repeat the behavior. Ooh, look, I have an effect on my world. They get a huge kick out of this. So again, pushing a ball that rolls, they squeeze a toy that squeaks, they yell at the dog who runs away or yelps, they're getting a reaction, they're having an effect on their world. The repetition shows them that their world is predictable. Oh, every time I squeeze the ball, it squeaks. Every time I pinch the baby, he cries. Every time I yell, the dog runs away. They're getting this this repeated um, effect to their behavior. And that is... It's interesting, but it also brings in that predictability. Um, We all like to see, and toddlers, especially children, want a predictable world. They want a safe world. They want a secure world. It gives security. Every time I do this, this happens. Every time I do that, that happens. It is reassuring to them. But they have no understanding that they're actually upsetting another living being. 
So this is a behavior that will continue to manifest until the novelty of it wears off or until it's no longer worth it. So this doesn't mean that we let toddlers hit baby brother, pinch baby brother, or yell at the dog or make the dog cry or grab its tail or that type of thing. It's just this is to understand why they do this. Not to be mean, but just they're getting a reaction out of their world. So once we understand this, that they don't understand that they're hurting little brother, that they're frightening the dog, that they're excited about the predictable reactions that they can create as a little scientist again and again, we can then work to circumvent these types of scenarios. Also helpful to, re- to understand that toddlers' memories are very short. Now they get longer as they age, but this is also a developmental process. So the class on consequences, I talk about never making a consequence longer than is age appropriate. So we start with a few minutes for a young toddler, a couple of minutes, Um, no longer than 20 to 30 minutes for like a three to four year old, no longer than a day for a five or six year old. They just don't remember what they did to lose out on, let's say, playing with their toy for you know, for several days on end for a week, like the toy goes up for a week because they threw it, it completely loses effectiveness after that time appropriateness for their age. So for Sammy, what you're doing with picking up the dog and leaving for a few minutes is having an effect. And the fact that it's actually lasting a week at a time is really good. So I would have expected it maybe would last a couple of days. So it's something that, like I said, because it's your reaction, and your son is picking up on your reaction, understanding that you're upset, it actually means something to him. So he is understanding that. He's beginning to get that understanding. Oh, my parents do not like it when I do this. I'm not gonna do this. And then it kind of forgets because it fades. So then you start doing it again. If you keep this up, it absolutely will become more long-term memory. Keep this up, two weeks to a month, I will probably go away completely. It may sneak back in a little bit, then you do it again, it'll, it'll go away because it just isn't worth it to upset mom or dad and to lose your attention for you know five minutes at a time for doing that. There's other things that he can do that can have an effect on his world that don't cause the negative consequence as well. So just want to give it some time and keep doing that. So knowing that toddlers have this limited perspective, that is the first option and that I would definitely continue doing. Picking up the dog, the dog's upset. I'm going to go take care of the dog right now. We'll come back in a few minutes. Um, you want to come up with a plan to keep them separate as much as possible. So I know you want to have the dog and the kids all together, and we all love that. It's really nice to have the whole family together, but you also um, just want to keep everybody safe, keep everybody um, feeling comfortable and safe. Now the dog has figured out I can just go upstairs and hang out, and I know you feel really bad for the dog, and we don't like that, but he or she is able to Find a place that he or she feels safe, can hide out, and then when they feel like coming back, and again, this behavior will get better and doggy will start to come back around once dog feels safer to kind of hang out. Once this behavior dissipates um, for a longer period of time, this you will be able to pull these worlds back together, I think, pretty easily. So, um, but I'm just going to go over some rules of thumb for toddlers and pets or toddlers and younger siblings. So infants and toddlers, because I get this question sometimes. These are really similar because you've got either a pet or you've got an infant who can't really um, protect themselves or doesn't really understand what's happening. And, um, and the toddler is just like, look at this cool reaction I get. So here are some rules of thumb. Now, also, sometimes we need to protect our toddler from our dog or the dog from the toddler. Either way. We never want to allow 
anyone to get too aggressive with the dog. Cause you know, sometimes what happens is everybody seems fine. And then toddlers like all over the dog, pulling the ears, pulling the tail and the dog's just had enough and they snap. And then you've got a real issue. Um, and you have to decide like toddlers afraid of the dog. Now the dog's bitten once. Now you've got a real issue you've got to deal with. So you always just want to be very, very careful. Always supervise interactions. Always be around with a dog and a toddler or a baby and a toddler. Never want to leave them unattended. Now, like I said, never want to allow anyone to get too aggressive with the dog. Now, we've had to work with our kids on this with Bambi, especially with our oldest. Um, you can tell when a dog is getting upset and you're pushing their buttons. There's actually some really good videos on YouTube for this as well. And I have, um, our trainer uh, showed us some of these videos of it's an owner who's starting to, it's a Rottweiler, starting to annoy the dog, play with the ears, poke it, pet it. And the dog wants to be left alone and they're using certain behaviors. They're moving away. They're doing all these things to be like, I'm not into this. I'm not, I don't want this. I'm not interested in this, but the, the owner and the owner knows the dog and knows how far to go before it pushes the dog over the edge, but kind of keeps aggravating the dog, antagonizing the dog, just to show, and then the dog will start to kind of lift their lips, or, you know, they're not, <laughs> they're not having it. Um, so when this happens, and some dogs have a shorter fuse than others, of course, and so once they get pushed too far, they will snap. Um, so we never want to leave our toddlers alone to aggravate or antagonize the dog, no matter how wonderful and friendly and sweet we think our dog is. Any dog can be pushed over the edge and snap at someone annoying them. We always want to be careful. So, you know, Carter had this thing about getting in her face because she's so cute <laughs> and she is so cute, but she'll be chewing on a bone. She'll be chewing on a toy. And he's like, oh, you're so cute. And he's in her face. She'll growl and let him know, like, I don't want you in my face. I'm chewing on my toy. And he just thought it was so cute when she would growl. And I'm like, that's not cute. You need to back away. And we were just explaining to our kids that that is a warning. She is letting him know. I'm like, she can't say to you, please get out of my face. I'm chewing on my bone right now. The only way she has to do that is to growl. So that is how she communicates to him. She is giving him a warning. Okay, so some of the ways to do this, you can use baby gates to separate toddlers from dogs or dogs from toddlers or babies from toddlers or toddlers from babies when necessary. If you're cooking and toddler is playing, you can gate the toddler in or gate the dog in somewhere. You can make sure your dog always has a place it can escape when needed. So Sam, you've got this, your dog runs upstairs, hangs out under the bed, is just like, I'm gonna be here for a while, this is my safe space. And that's totally fine. And also keep doing what you're doing, Sammy, with teaching your toddler how to care for the dog, how to pet the dog, how to respect the dog's toys, how to care for the dog, maybe, you know, take a brush and brush the dog, put the food down for the dog, the treats and the tricks, all great stuff with your supervision. Um, these thing, things will still take time. Three to four years old is when toddlers, preschoolers will start to be much better behaved around the dogs. We'll start to have an understanding and can start to behave and follow the rules much better around the dog, but it will take some time. So you wanna set the boundaries, take the dog away for a few minutes, comfort the dog, it will teach your toddler, like I said, because you're the one who's upset and your reaction is what really matters to the toddler, is you're showing them, your toddler that the dog is important, that the dog needs, how the dog needs to be treated. And I love that he was able to behave so well for an entire week. That's actually really, really good. You were sending a strong message and he was getting the message about how you felt about it. For anyone who has a dog and a toddler or a young child, um, 
and there are any issues, I strongly recommend hiring a reputable dog trainer. Now I'm talking about if the dog is reacting in a certain way, not with the toddler. (laughs) If it's just the toddler and the dog is doing fine, you don't need a trainer. If the dog is having some struggles, if the dog is growling or nipping or um, acting out aggressively just when your toddler starts to walk over to him, then you wanna hire a reputable trainer to come and help you work with the dog, explain the dog's behavior, how to protect both dog and toddler, Dogs are amazing family members, but they are a different species. They have a different need and way of communicating. Um, Again, they can't say, get out of my face. They can't say, you know, the toddler's coming at me and they're walking kind of weird and I'm afraid they're going to fall on me. It's making me uncomfortable. So they will react in different ways. They'll nip, they'll growl, they'll run away. Um, They just have a different way of communicating. And so you want to learn how to communicate with the dog in their language to let them know what's acceptable, what isn't acceptable. You're setting the boundaries and the, um, just like you do with your kids, with your dog, but it's different because you need to work with them differently, obviously, than you do with your kids. So um, we just wanna do everything we can to help our dogs and our kids coexist peacefully, help both species learn to respect each other and interact in ways that um, are loving and peaceful in our family. If you'd like more information on toddler development, all the amazing things going on inside their minds and bodies, why they're doing what they do, how to support the development, as well as any red flags that come up um, and when you may want to get some outside help, the class You're Developing Toddler and You're Developing Preschooler. I also have a You're Developing Infant class available. Of course, all the positive discipline classes, over 60 parenting classes on demand at yourvillageonline.com to build a strong foundation of connection and communication to raising your children to their potential. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.